Hey everyone, it is Thursday, June 23rd, 2022. I'm your host, Alex Riley. Welcome to Quick Takes. Uh, we'll be breaking down more of the news headlines and everything that's been happening within the Canadian tech ecosystem this week. Uh, today's headlines are, we chat about all the busy week in Canadian tech we've been having, including um, a little bit of insight into Collision and our experience with our in real life events. We touch on how TechTO is supporting the Canadian tech ecosystem currently, uh, given with everything we're dealing with. Um, Exonify and Nudge disrupt the marketplace for frontline employees. Shopify rolls out some new additions, and we also go over two recent lightning rounds. So Alex Norman will join me now. Hey. Hey, Alex. How are you doing? I'm good. It's been uh, it's been a whirlwind of a week. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, ecosystem back in person. A lot yeah. of people in Toronto for Collision. So we're cheating a bit this week. Um, the team's been running around. We've been busy in real life. And so we thought we'd talk a bit about more what's going on in the ecosystem and then get to some news and analysis. And yeah, exactly. Exactly. So you you kind of stole the, the my first headline that I was going to say was just um, we've, we've been at Collision. We're actually doing this live from a Startwell co-working space today. They're King West Campus, which is awesome. So a little bit of a change of scenery for us for quick takes. Um, but just to maybe focus on collision, um, also from your perspective, lots of VCs, lots of people in town um, for this one. So what have you been picking up from them and what have they been saying about um, the conference this week? Well, I'll, I'll take it not about, so let's take a big, so paint a picture for people that aren't here, right? There's 35,000 people, collision sort of provides anchor conference where people are going to, but there's a lot of events around that too. We had a tech TO, which we had about 400, 500 people in real life. Yep. There's a bunch of other events. So, you know, I, I guess I'll take the question: What, what am I? What are people talking about? Well, yeah, I've spent a lot of time time talking to VCs. There's a lot of Canadians. There's a lot of Americans up here, um, and I, I think, you know, I think as Lauren Epstein just uh, tweeted at us, saying, you know, her, I think she had the right take on what we're hearing from other investors, not only in Canada but across North America and the world, is, hey, middle later, later stage, realities are um, that the insanity of the last two years that are over, that. Later stage companies have to do belt net tightening and focus on being cash efficient. Early stage, FOMO's gone. There's less pressure to get deals done. Um, people are taking a breath. But there's lots of awesome companies raising a lot of deals getting done. And so I think from the venture capitalists, that's what I heard a lot of. Um, you know, That's where I spend a lot of time talking to people. I, I spend a lot of time talking to founders that are worried about the raising environment. And I think it goes back to what we discussed last week. So if you're right. listening to us now... I'm, Go subscribe, go subscribe to us and look at last listen to last week's podcast. Mm -hmm. But I, I think it's just rounds are taking longer to get done. Yeah. Um, and part of that is before people would be willing to come in and say, hey, if I'm giving you 50% of the round, I'm sure to get the other 150%. But now people want to see a whole round down before, done before they send a check. Um, I, I think also founders that are looking to make connections and raise through an in-person live event, it's very hard. Um, venture capitalists are talking to other venture capitalists to catch up in the market. And every two steps, of, you know, founders were hustling and trying to, you know, get in front of some VC, but it wasn't targeted or if it was targeted, those people were overwhelmed. So it, you know, it's, it's, I think the better things from founder VC interactions to build a relationship, just have a couple of beers and then pitch them after the event is because I think lots of founders I spoke to were disappointed that they couldn't make that connection right away to close the deal. Right. And aside from the fact that, 
this obviously draws people from all across Canada. Um, I met some people even from the States that came in for this as well. Um, what's been, in your opinion, the benefit of having Collision be, be in Toronto, um, especially now that everything's back in person, people are really excited to, as you said, meet and network. But what's um, another benefit do you well, think, I think here? As a local, I think there's a psychological effect that this mm -hmm. sort of such reinforced that COVID is over, right? Like the restrictions are gone. And I think a lot of people yeah. are just happy to be out and see people um, that they hadn't seen in two or three years. So I think psychologically it, it got people back into interacting and seeing the benefits of not being in your basement or your home mm -hmm. office. Um, from a tourism perspective, I think this was a huge boon for the city. If you looked at trying to get a hotel, they were all very expensive. Yep. Um, I think from a tech, tech ecosystem, you know, there were some benefits where you get people from Europe or the States that hadn't been in Toronto and hadn't seen what's happening in Canada um, to meet the ecosystem, see that it's real, see that what they've read over the last two, three years isn't just, you know, hype. You know, I've had had founders, um, investors, and other people come up to me and say, hey, this is, you know, went to this Vancouver, there's a Vancouver party on Tuesday night and mm -hmm. there's a lot of stuff happening there. Um, so I think... But I think if you look talking about deals done or long-term impact for tech ecosystem, I, I think it's maybe word of mouth and reinforcing the idea. But it's it's not a huge it's not a huge impact. It's more from a tourism perspective where the returns are. Right, and from maybe just like an investor perspective, or even just what you've been hearing, what's been some of the buzz around um, any companies or startups? Anything worth mentioning to any folks that maybe couldn't? Uh, come out to the conference? No startup in particular talk seemed to, to break out. I think there the two, maybe I heard a lot about Xanadu, mm -hmm. um, you know, and Quantum and hey, that, you know, Toronto looks like it has a leading company there. A lot of questions, interesting about what's going on in the Web3 space here. Yeah. But like, it's all like, you know, you know, clear code, like everyone was asking me about clear code or, uh, ADA or any of those, but there was a lot, you know, just more like questions about who are the, you know, lots of people asking, hey, if we're looking for coming to space, who should we talk about? So what's interesting, it sort of reinforced a weird thing that's going to the Canadian ecosystem. Everyone in the world is talking about what Toronto, Montreal, and Vancouver are doing, but they yep. don't know our companies. And, you know, we have to create, we have to get the story of our country up. We have to get the story of our leading companies out there so people can like identify and, and show what impact we're having. Right. Right. And I think that's, we're doing a good job of that here. But I think, as you said, we need to do a better job of representing and really getting people's story out. Um, last question I have for you just around Collision, uh, lots of representation from different regions, um, countries, cities um, at this conference as well. Why were they here? What's the benefit for them? So interestingly, I had a lot of conversations with people from different regions, like representing Montreal, mm -hmm. Denmark, Italy. And they have boots here to a build. They all had slightly different agendas. Um, they were trying to build awareness of the companies back in and their local ecosystems, and they wanted to learn about how to build how to build an ecosystem. Had a lot of discussions about, yeah. hey, you know, Denmark, we have a good ecosystem right now, but we don't have lots of follow on cash. There's a shortage of employees, so I think they were trying to brand their ecosystems, trying to build awareness of what's going on. They were hoping you know some like you know, some magic dust comes on them, they can now get like Sequoia and. Bessemer coming to look at their region of best and they're hoping to attract, you know, FDI and employees. Um, 
you know, and interesting to learn from our, from our ecosystem, which I, I find interesting because if, you know, back 10 years, people would say our ecosystem had a lot to learn. I think we still have a lot to learn. And so I think if I were to take a cynical view, this is maybe it's a good way for people to, you know, get a trip to Toronto and promote their ecosystem. I think from, uh, I think the other thing is just a lot of people trying to, you know, build awareness and build, you know, take advantage of a distributed, distributed mm -hmm. tech ecosystem and build and, and provide connectivity and branding. Perfect. I think it's also what you said is kind of the perfect segue into the next point I'm going to make is just, um, again, telling those stories, um, really amplifying what the amazing companies, startups, um, and what our ecosystem is doing. Um, a great place to kind of learn about all of that is our Tectio newsletter. If you don't already subscribe, you can do so at tectio.org backslash newsletter. Uh, we often feature companies to watch. We have, you know, great hiring company profiles as well. So you can check out great opportunities, jobs, um, all of our upcoming events, um, as well as rundowns from what um, yourself and I, and also what you and Jason talk about on this podcast. One thing now to segue, just speaking about the newsletter, is we announced it in our newsletter and we announced it on social, just given the tumultuous ecosystem right now and the layoffs that we've been hearing about. Um, we've actually launched an initiative at TechTO to help support some of these folks and some of these companies that are, um, you know, on the suffering end of all of this. So can you tell us a little bit more about this initiative, why, you know, we decided to, to do something? So first of all, uh, in the grand scheme of things, I don't think it's suffering. Uh, I think what we've gone, you know, what we've noticed here, and I think it's, it's anyone in the ecosystem has noticed that we've gone from six months ago, where there's euphoria, everything's possible, all yep. tech companies are going to become unicorns and we're all going to be world beaters to the almost exact other extreme where the sky's falling. Neither yeah. of these cases are the truth. And we exist as a community to help each other out, to, to, to learn, learn from each other and to make sure that this ecosystem thrives from coast to coast. So last, you know, we, we after last week's um, quick takes, we had lots of people send us direct messages saying this is, you know, we appreciate you guys demystifying it. I'm, you know, I'm scared. I've lost my job. Yeah. And so we said, what can we do to help the ecosystem? First is if you've been laid off, we want to help you land on your feet. We want to give you the community to support you. We want to help you find those hidden jobs. So we said, hey, you know, we have this membership. We have a Slack channel. We have ways we do stuff for our members that aren't always visible like the quick takes. Yeah. Fill out this form. And well, I'm sure you'll put in the show notes. Um, yep. and tell us where you were laid off from. Tell us what you're looking for. We'll give you a free membership. And then we're going to build programming to help support you through the next two months, 12 months, whatever it is. Because we want, if you're in this ecosystem, you've raised your hand, you're trying to help build a tech startup. We want you to stay here and we want you to find the community that supports you and the opportunities that aren't always visible. The flip side is because I know this negative mood is overblown mm -hmm. and what you're hearing is about these big numbers of layoffs from bigger companies. There's still tons of companies that can find, can't find the people. So we want to help make those connections. So we said, Hey, if you are an early stage company, you know, usually you don't have the resources to go hire, you know, recruiting agencies. So like, so pre series a, so, you know, likewise, come tell us what you're looking for. Give us a bit of your profile that we have a form for that. We will help build, word of mouth about those opportunities because there's great talent that's available now they can't and they can't match so we want to 
lower those transaction costs. And we want to help early stage companies find great talent. We're going to find great talent, same ecosystem. And this is just a start. As we listen to our community and talk to our members, we'll have more programming and more initiatives mm-hmm. to make sure that, you know, if it's tough for the next two months, three months, 12 months, we're going to be there as a community to support you and just help do, you know, continue growing this Canadian ecosystem. Yeah. And I love it because what we say at TechTO is a community that wins together and, you know, good times, hard times. We obviously want to help um, everyone succeed and get back on their feet, as you said. Um, So this is a pretty cool initiative. um, And I'm super excited to um, just even see the response we've gotten from the community um, since we've announced it. So thanks for maybe highlighting a little bit for those that didn't know we were even doing this. Um, there'll be more posts on social and also our newsletter, and I will share this in the show notes as well. Um, to go back more into uh, the news now, um, Exonify and Nudge, um, they are disrupting the marketplace for frontline um, employees. So uh, background, Exonify, which provides communications and training software for frontline employees, they've acquired Nudge. Um, so what do you think this, um, acquisition means? Um, what are your thoughts is, you know, how is this looking? First, you know, it's two, you know, leaders in their respective marketplace. One, Exonify led by Carol Lehman, you know, one of the Waterloo superstars acquiring Nudge, Toronto based uh, startup also led by a female co-founder, um, getting together. Exonify, we spoke about quick takes. I can't remember. It's nine months ago or something like that had raised around led by private equity with explicitly mm-hmm. saying that they're going to consolidate a bit their industry to scale up faster. So here we see them doing it, buying a, another Canadian company that has adjacent, an adjacent product that complements them and also has different customers. So they can now plug nudge in and they can sell nudges software mm-hmm. to Exonify customers. And then they can sell Exonify software to nudges customers. So it seems like two plus two equals five here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what wasn't announced was the rounds of the turn, the rounds of the deal. Um, I know Betakit covered this and it looks like they tried to ask what the round were and they were questioning why this was done. Right. And I think this reflects what you're going to see in the current environment. Um, deals get done for many different reasons. And in, in this environment, I expect M&A to increase for a couple of reasons. One, it's sometimes companies can't find the next round of financing and they want a soft landing. Another is com- companies are looking to become efficient faster in one way is to scale and, and merging together gets you there. Mm-hmm. And three for the traditional reasons, because the deals make sense. Um, and the nature of this environment where everyone's a bit skeptical is if the rounds, the details of the rounds aren't provided or the, uh, sorry, if the acquisitions provide people are going to think it's for the first, Hey, this company need to sell. Um, I don't think that's the case here. Nudge has a reputation of being loved by their customers, being a leader, being listening, you know, and, and building a company pretty capital efficient. And I think there's a case where you have Exonify, who has private equity, has a mandate to grow, has capital grow, some ability where to grow faster, some ability to keep leadership in Canada and, and build something big. And so I think what this does signify is the start of more acquisitions being announced right. and more and more consolidation. Um, Cause I think one thing with the furry of the last few years, you could say there's a lot of companies that looked, look like a feature, not, you know, not a platform and got lots of funding and they may be amazing businesses, but might not get to venture scale. 
so you're going to see, even if that's not true, the, the desire to merge these companies and grow faster and be more robust to get them the late stage capital they need to grow. Um, yeah, so those are my initial thoughts there. Right. I think it's interesting that you mentioned that you think this is going to segue or lead into having more acquisitions being announced, because I believe it was a couple weeks ago I asked you why why they weren't. Are they still happening? It's just been very quiet. So um, it's just an interesting point to highlight that you think this is um, going to lead to a lot more announcements. So um, that's awesome. And then I think for the community here mm -hmm. is a couple takeaways. When you see an M&A deal announced, yep. it, it's easy to jump to conclusions. It, it, you know, and I think unless you're behind the you know, you're part of the deal making table. It's it's wrong to jump unless you know unless it's out of the fact that someone's trying to raise for nine months and they couldn't raise. I think, I think second of all, these acquisitions, we should hope that Canadian companies by non-Canadian companies and by Canadian companies, because to build very few companies organically grow to massive size with themselves. Um, as you grow, it's easier. It, Non-organic growth uh, it, via acquisitions is normal because you, you can look at like other companies doing R&D for you. You can look at them complimentary. So we should, we should be cheering on our companies, acquiring companies. Mm -hmm. And I think the third thing is, um, as you look at where you go join, you can see who has a strong product, lots of customers and where, you know, who can be that acquired because it'll be fun. There'll be lots of opportunities there to, I think over the next few years to see a lot more acquisitions and, and see companies scale much faster than they have before. Awesome. I think that's a great takeaway for everyone. Um, so next up, I want to um, talk about the recent Shopify news. So they've um, revealed this week uh, over 100 platform updates and feature launches, including a new B2B offering, Google and Twitter integrations, and partnerships with them as well, and also a tap to pay on iPhone. Uh, what is your take on all of these new integrations? Um, well, first of all, this is a huge like update. Yeah. Like, well, you think of modern companies doing continuous updates and like, yep. you know, the whole idea of a SaaS business, you don't have to do like version two, you just do a bunch of one. This feels like, like, like we leveled up. Okay. Here's a button, you know, here's a hundred different ways to be, uh, uh, you know, better. And they are. And, and I think some of these right. are really interesting. It shows where Shopify views the future for its customers. I think mm -hmm. the Twitter integration is, you know, if you go back about a year or two years, they start offering like Facebook integration, Instagram integrations. And what's interesting is the Twitter one's uh, exclusive from what I read. And it shows that Shopify is still a big believer in uh, social mediafication of commerce. Mm -hmm. And I, I tend to agree. I, I think more and more people are going to buy from their other feeds. And this is very powerful, powerful to be, you know, be a Shopify merchant, be able to integrate into different feeds. I think also what you're seeing here um, is them widening the market by offering wholesale. Um, it's you, you could say it's competitive with some other Canadian companies like Fair or Convictional, but I, I don't think it is because those those are a bit more markets and more infrastructure. Here, what you're having though is saying, hey, you know what? No, you're a DTC brand. Yeah. As you expand, you go beyond. Like you see, this the most DTC brands. They start off selling on Shopify, then they go to you know, then they use the Shopify infrastructure, sell more places online. Then they get omnichannel. They go open a couple stores. Then there's enough. They have built enough brand. They want to be carried in other retailers, other sites. So they need to have the wholesale offering. And so this is a great way for Shopify to enable their merchants to grow, to capture 
more, you know, to make sure to stay on there longer and, and basically capture more share of wallet from their merchants. And right. finally, like Apple, you know, you know, getting rid of the POS from Apple is, is great. Now, the question is, people are not going to say, okay, you know, is this a response to what's going on with their market, you know, you know, their market price or with what's going on with Amazon? I was going to ask you yeah. if this was a response to the pay with, with Amazon. Yes and no. Like I'm, this was not like, I don't think Shopify saw the announcement says, okay, let's change our strategy. They're just um, always adapting. Yeah. They're, they're, they're building and stuff takes time and there's a competition there and, and strategically they will change their product roadmap from a strategic perspective based upon what others announce. But I think Shopify is a big company and they're going to build what they need to build. Mm -hmm. And there's always going to be competition from them because, you know, like, again, like entering wholesale, you can say they're competing with fair or other co companies that do wholesale. Um, I, I just think this is, Shopify improving their product, having a belief in where the future is going. Like, I think the other thing you saw is I think they have NFTs now more fully. There's a bunch of features around NFTs. Yeah. And, you know, you could say, oh, it's in this bad time and NFT market's crapped out. But they saw the emergence of NFTs and they're making long-term bets and they're, and they're building a more robust product so they can serve as many merchants as possible. So competition is important, but Shopify's biggest competition is itself. They don't do what their customers want. They're, they're not going to be relevant. So um, la just last question around this. So, I mean, the stock's gone down. Like, is this maybe opportunistic? Do you still stand by the whole, I think they're just adapting. This just happens to yeah. be when they've announced all of this. Um, or is this something so, that came? First of all, we do not give any financial advice on here. I'm not going to make, uh, if I, you know, if I own Travify, I don't own Travify. It doesn't mean you should buy it or not. I, I think it's interesting. Again, it goes back to narratives in the world. Um, you know, Shopify was the most valuable market cap by market cap company uh, sometime last year. Now it's down 70 or 80% from that. Um, and so a lot of people goes, oh, this represents that Shopify is hurting or Shopify was overvalued. Um, I think the only risk from variability in the share price mm -hmm. is when shareholders can change and lose confidence in management and can force them to change and change their direction. I think the Shopify executive team has shown historically they're incredibly strong and see the vision and know where to, to point the company. And they were pointing probably their teams and everything where it's pointing the company in this direction before. So, um, and the only thing you've changed that we've seen there is like Shopify change their um, share structure. So it's harder to get, you know, for Toby to lose, um, control the board and control where it goes. So my view, this is not a reaction to the drop share price, but you know, I'm sure lots of employees and shareholders would be very happy if this get reinvigorates the stock and sees it return to be the most valuable company in Canada. Um, you don't manage, you shouldn't be managing a company because of share price, but the share price should eventually reflect your management. Yeah. And I mean, to, to point out the obvious too, I think new features are just exciting for customers as well. Um, so that's, uh, that's also great news for them to be announcing that too. Uh, before we wrap up uh, lightning round, a um, couple rounds announced that I know you want to chat about. So who are the companies that announced? What do they do? And why is this interesting for our okay. community? We'll start with Flexpa. Uh, mm -hmm. They raised 8.5 million USD in a round led by general, uh, uh, Catalyst with participation from Greycroft, A16Z, and others, uh, Precursor. Um, it's a second round. It's interesting because it's a serial entrepreneur. The team's based in the Bay Area in Canada. They're trying to basically change healthcare, um, provide 
connectivity for healthcare to be basically get your data from one place to another. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just participation from N4 and IP, my fund in the earlier round. And I, I think this is shows where we get benefits from serial entrepreneurs. Uh, the Flexpa team is made up of a bunch of exact, you know, the co-founders have all seen other companies scale and either, you know, early as early employees or founders like um, Andrew founded uh, Ross Intelligence. Uh, Tom, the CTO, was at Universe. So this is a credibility what you're going to see more of the sequence system. When founders have some, some form of success, it's much easier for them to be credible and raise more money quicker. And also, they've got a huge vision here that's to be game-changing for all, all of our healthcare. And so second-time mm -hmm. founders, what we don't, you know, we, we don't celebrate the small ones enough because those small ones, like both those companies, you know, had good, relatively good outcomes, but weren't like, they weren't Shopify. And what you're seeing here is the compounding of experiences with the ability to go raise money and have a huge vision because they know what, if they're going to spend their time, they want to make, have a huge impact. And what's interesting here is that this round mainly participated, had Americans participating, but like the previous round had Canadians participate. And now we're seeing the Americans like fund our companies. Mm -hmm. uh, the other one is Altrio, who announced an $8 million Canadian round uh, led by Whitecap participation from Intella, L8, and Colliers. They're a prop tech firm. Uh, they're helping real estate investors better manage the whole flow of work. Again, uh, full disclosure, N4NAP was invested in the previous round. What's, what, what's interesting here is, again, another serial entrepreneur um, has had some success. It was Canadian, actually had a success outside of Canada, came back to build it here, um, supported by local venture capitalists. Um, and, and you look at the you look at this round. It's interesting. Mattella has, you know, a very specific perspective where they go in early and get really help out the founders. And they're coming a bit later here. Elates built the you know support prop tech. So you're seeing, and Collier's is basically a real estate company itself. Um, so you're seeing the industry. You know how the Canadian ecosystem supporting second time founders. How players are changing to scale companies up. And that despite all the doom and gloom, here's two rounds that were done recently mm -hmm. um, that just show that people are willing to invest in building big startups. Awesome. Uh, I, again, what, what a week between events, um, some of the news, just everything that we're doing here at TechTO. Um, before we go, if anyone joined us uh, that's listening this week at our Tuesday event, um, thank you so much for coming out. We do have another one coming up in July. If you weren't able to join us on Tuesday, uh, June 21st, we do have one at The Slip where we're partnering with uh, TechTO, um, obviously TechTO and 111 and XE. Uh, July 7th, 6 to 9 at The Slip. Um, that'll be a lot of fun. Tickets are going fast. So make sure you, you grab yours on our website. Thank you, Alex, as always, for breaking down the news of the week for us. Uh, we'll be back next week with more quick takes. Make sure you like and subscribe wherever you're watching or listening and share your takes with us on the Week in Canadian Tech. And we'll see you on the inside. We're in the business of delivering impossible things. We're in the business of delivering things that nobody's ever seen before. If you build that culture, you'll come up with you know really cool and innovative stuff and you know, literally could be in the next multi-billion dollar idea. So this conversation is largely going to be about scaling yourself and scaling your leadership team. I wanna talk about one of the biggest struggles that I think a lot of startups face early on, which is building initial traction.